0: Want to just share with you this morning that we're not the only state that's out of TP. Okay, it's a, it's a threat all over the place. Uh it had pastors from New Mexico and uh, Colorado there, and Canada, and uh, they're all just running short of it. So uh, I, you know, just uh, just make use of it here before you go home. We have enough, and uh, it'll help save you later, maybe. Uh, my wife was telling me she was at the store yesterday and all the meat was gone out of the uh, rack at Sam's and, and all the hand sanitizer, which we have that out there for you too if you like it. Uh, uh, we weren't quite sure whether it's going to do anything or not, but we don't care. We put it there for you, just for you. And we disinfected everything just for you and uh, that today just to be as wise as possible. I'll go ahead and release the bridge and the, and the youth, the kids rock to their classes. And uh, anyway, so they uh, they the the meat, the milk, and and she walked by the. And she said the whole alcohol beer aisle was completely empty too. So, the world's planning for the end. I'm just telling you. All right. Well, I want you're going to get some notes in just a minute here uh, of the sermon this morning, and we're going to get started. We're going to continue on the series that we started uh, last week called "You in Five Years" and. And the challenge is, in is the, the question that we kind of asked, is who do you want to be five years from now? Who do you want to be five years from now? And instead of just trying to make it a simple New Year's resolution over one year, um, uh, that, that we would look beyond that, we'd go further than that, and we begin to realize how do we get from here to there? in that time how do we take ourselves or use our lives in such a way that we really are different in five years we're not the same people that are uh, just the same people but just more of us but no change and and we talked about the domino effect and how that uh, if you took a domino if this were a domino and if this were a domino and and many of us have done this before where you line up the dominoes and you hit them. Well, if you take dominoes and you take w- one that's even five centimeters and you put it down and, and, and the illustration that we saw uh, last week, which we're not gonna do this week, uh, you they, they, they took a pair of tweezers to put this little uh, uh, domino down and each one was one and a half times higher. And how that if it, it did 13 and by the time this five centimeter domino kicked off the next one and the next one and the next one. The last domino in the illustration that we used last week was 100 pounds and about three or four foot tall, it ends up getting toppled. And it kind of showed us, and I kind of showed you this here by throwing this at 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 the larger one, that even with throwing it with might, it didn't even budge that. But yet if you do things in the right progression, and ongoing order, in a straight line, and you go for it, you can see some amazing things happen. They say if you would stretch that illustration out to, I think it was 29 dominoes, you literally would see, uh, be able to, the last one would be able to knock over the Empire State Building. All starting with five centimeters. Now think about it. That's re- this is so light, it's just, it's just feather light, you know. And and yet it caused this whole thing to chain reaction to take place. And we're talking about uh, in our lives, how do we get to the point where uh, we are different in five years? Who am I going to be? Well, it takes some planning. It takes some thinking. Today, the title of the message, and and last week it was "Living Your Best Life." This week in this series of you in five years is in absence of a crisis. In the absence of a crisis. And as I was thinking about this, I I thought about the uh, two questions uh, that we might have for this series today. Who will you be in five years from now if you continue your present course? If you keep going as you're going right now, who will you be in five years? Another question is, who do you want to be uh, in five years from now? Who do you want to be? five years from now, and how will you get there? Proverbs says this here because there, I have heard just a couple comments from people that are you know, maybe elderly, like, wow, five years, I don't want to think about that. You know, that no, no, don't even put me there. Well, I got a verse for you, okay? I got a good verse for you this morning. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, where there is no clear prophetic vision, where you're not looking down the road... Uh, people quickly wander astray. Another translation of that would be that without a progressive vision, people go back. So can I just challenge you, don't go back today. <laughs> Let's get a vision for today. I don't care what your age is. Young people think it's, they're, they're too young to have to plan. Elderly people sometimes think, well, I'm too old to plan. I just want to say both of those are wrong mentalities. How many can say amen to that? Don't ever stop planning. Don't ever stop planning, because the moment you do, As I said last week, things always roll backwards. They never just stay there. You might think you are, but you're not. You can't plant your feet in there and and stay, because that's just not how life is. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning about two characters that many of you have heard of. Uh, The first one would be Elijah, Elijah. And if you want to know, there's another character named Elisha, and they're often confused because their names are so close. And uh, the first one, the older one, is Elijah. Elijah. Would you say that with me just like that? Elijah. Okay, you, whenever you think that now, you're going to know that's the older one. That's the elder one. Then the Elisha is the younger one. And we're going to see some things about them. They're quite interesting, the, the, the various characteristics that they have. Um, Elisha just kind of shows up on the scene, and nobody knows, you know, kind of where he came from. He just, he just appears He's an amazing prophetic person. He's doing amazing miracles. I think there's 14 miracles and prophetic words noted to his name in your Bible. And so he's, he's, a, he's a powerful person. It was almost like John the Baptist just kind of comes out of the wilderness, and all of a sudden, these things are happening. You know? and, and that's who Elijah is all about, just kind of appears. Elisha, though, has a different story. He's the son of a, he's the son of a, a, a farmer who who grows up as a, as a farmer with his family and his dad and so forth, and we'll read about this in just a minute, and comes onto the scene, Elijah, the, the, the elder one, he gets a prophetic word that the mantle he has, the mantle he has is going to go to Elisha, the younger one. So he's, he gets this word from God and says that. And, and, and maybe kind of a, uh, an illustration of this here would be a mantle would be like his, maybe his sweater or something. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Maybe it was like a shawl. I'm not sure. But we're going to see in the story how he uses that mantle to part the waters. Uh, he uses it to pass it on to Elisha, his, his mentoree. And uh, we're going to read about that. And we're going to find out about that. And so if you have your notes there. There's a few places for you to jot maybe some thoughts down. I, I find a lot. It's easy if the Holy Spirit's saying something to me while a message is happening, that I can jot that down. What is He saying to you out of His living Word? The Word is living, it says. And was able to really speak to us this morning. So let's pray as we begin to read His Word and just ask for that revelation to come. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning <laughs> that your Word is powerful. Lord, it's life to us, it's light, to, it's health to us, it's everything to us. And we come this morning as we, Lord, spend a few minutes in your word that you would just open up the eyes of our understanding, help us to see things, Father, to receive things from you today in your house, in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Kings 19. We're going to be there for a few minutes, or we're going to have it up on the screen. Correct? Oh, it's just that one's not working. Okay. That's too bad. 1 Kings 19.19 19 says this here. It starts the story. He, Elijah. Would you say Elijah? Now, want you to remember this. You're going to always know. Every time you read the scriptures or you hear about Elijah, you're going to know it's the older one. And Elisha is the younger one. He, Elijah, he found Elisha the son of Shaphat, uh, and, and he's identifying him, which is really a good thing because, again, the, 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 the mix-up then would be just like now, I'm sure, as far as how close their names were. Who was plowing with twelve uh, yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him, and he threw his mantle on him. So here's the mantle. Here's Elisha. He's at work on, it says he's the son of Shaphat, so we'll call it Shaphat Farms. Okay, he's working this thing. Uh, it's known that if you have oxen, <clears throat> that uh, you're a wealthy farmer. And he had 12 sets of oxen, so he's very wealthy. Shaphat Farms and Sons, you know, <clears throat> is what it was. And he's working along, and he's on one of the, one of the yokes. It would be like having a t- a 24 John Deers for your, for your farm. That's a big farm. That's a lot of money. And so it says that he's out there working away, and and Elijah just kind of comes up and takes his mantle, and then just kind of throws it on, just puts it on him like that. And it was a representation of what was about to happen. Now, it's interesting that Elisha was a man of God, so he understood things when they were happening. Because to our knowledge, they don't really know each other. To our knowledge, we have no knowledge. I'm sure that he would have heard of Elijah. I mean, anybody that did that many miracles, anybody that did that much would have been known throughout the land. And, and so, but, but, but Elisha understood this, and we're going to see it in the story in just a moment. And he gives the mantle back. And, and, and let's look at 1 Kings 19 and verse 20, the next verse. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? For what have I done to you? He asked him a question. I found this interesting because if you remember in the New Testament, remember the guy that Jesus said, Come and follow me. And he said, Hey, I'd like to go you know, bury my parents or my father. And what did Jesus say? No. You go let the dead bury the dead. That might be worth a little bit of research there because he doesn't say that to Elisha. He just reminds him, I want you to know what I've just said to you. What have I just done to you? And we realize, uh, in other words, uh, he's wanting him to think about what he's about to do. Because here he is, maybe the next heir to the uh, Shaphat Farms. I mean, really, think about it. He had you know, all this thing happening, and, and now he's being called away from that. And I, and I think it's interesting, because as, <laughs> as I was thinking about, you know, you're called from Jesus, what does he say? Forsake it all. Give it all up. I mean, how many of us come to Christianity thinking that it's just another club? How many people just think it's another, I got my life insurance or my fire insurance, that I'm just here. But, you know, that's really never been the call of Jesus from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he says, you forsake it all, and you follow me, I think, wow, what a powerful lesson. Here we come back to the Old Testament and we see this uh, clear description of, of, of an explanation of what this all means and what, what's required. And so he takes this thing and he goes back to his parents. And then in verse 21, we go in the next verse there, verse 21. And so Elisha turned back from him and then he took the yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment And he gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose, and he followed Elijah and became his servant. So in other words, he gets a can of gas. He dumps it all over his John Deere tractor and lights it on fire. Boom. And totally destroys this thing. I'm thinking, what's going on here? But this is what he's saying. He says he took these animals, and he decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go back and I'm going to make my declaration. These are my set of oxen that I was working on, according to Scripture. And I'm going to go ahead and slaughter them. And I'm going to burn them. And I'm going to do this in front of everybody. Everybody's going to know what's going on here. Everybody's going to think he's crazy. Right? Come on. Expensive oxen. You're killing them. What are you doing? You know, just leave happy. It don't make such a scene, but no, he understood something that we'll see here that's important, I think, for all of us as followers of Christ, for us to understand. He was answering Elijah's question, Do you really know what's happening? Do you really know what I'm asking of you? Do you know what I'm calling you to? Do you know what I'm pulling you from? I'm calling you away. And he understood this, and he understood that it may have meant the cost of his, uh, again, his as being the heir to this particular farm uh, that his father owned. And so he slaughters these two oxen, and, and then he, he, he moves on to follow Elijah. You know, I thought about that, and it's really not a comparison, but it kind of is a little bit maybe, and you might think it's funny or not even near it but <laughs> i remember becoming saved i was 20 i didn't get saved till i was 21 hadn't heard the gospel ever been to church so knew nothing about anything until somebody started sharing it with me and when christ came into my heart and totally changed me i remember going home and i had all of these albums now, fortunately, they're back again, so even the young people know what they are. I had all these vinyls, you know, that I had. All this music, because I love music. Chicago and the Beach Boys and Led Zeppelin and all this crazy stuff, you know. Uh, and, and, and I remember taking all of those and breaking them up and destroying them. Now, think about that. And the next thing that I remember doing is taking all the drugs that I had in my house, because I was dealing drugs and growing uh, pot. I was ahead of my time back then. I was growing pot in my backyard. And, and I remember taking all that stuff and taking it over and putting it in the toilet and flushing it. And I was not going to go back. I wasn't going back to that. I wanted no opportunity to go back. How many know if you hide stuff in your closet, no matter how much you might say you're not going to go back to it, that you will go back to it? It happens every time. That's what we do. We Sometimes we just hide that stuff instead of realizing, hey, this is what I need to do. I need to make this amazing, uh, uh, this, this, this I need to count the cost of what Christ is calling me to. Because it's, it's never been a simple call. You know, the, the, the simple thing was the hardest thing, and that was you, you're born again for free. <laughs> you, got your, you, got, you do go to heaven for absolutely free. But from there, it's follow him. And, and, and oftentimes I would say that that's not always the easiest thing in the world. But Eli- Elisha understood the call, made the decision, killed the ox, tore up the machinery that he was using, and then moved on to follow the prophet Elijah. And I think that's totally amazing. Look at it's Kings 3.11. It says this here, but Jehoshaphat said, there is no prophet in the land. Jehoshaphat was looking for the prophet uh, that he may inquire of him, uh, of the Lord by him. And so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here and he poured water in the hands of Elijah. And if you note on, on your notes here back at verse 21, if we could Back that up to that verse just before. Look what it says. And then he arose at the end of it, and he followed Elijah, and he became his servant. He became his servant. Here he was, a son of a rich farmer, heir to this great farm. And he's willing now to become a servant. How many know that you can find some Bible verses in the New Testament that talk about the servanthood deal? Come on. If you want to be great, we just talked about this a while back. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you learn to become the servant of all. Jesus himself didn't come. He didn't come just to, to, to be served. He came to serve you and I. And I think that's totally amazing. And so Elisha's now on this way, and you may not know the, the time limit here, but for the next 18 years, you don't hear a lot about Elisha other than what this guy just said. Hey, he's the guy, yeah, there is a still, there's still a prophet here, there's still a prophet in the land, and he's the one that was serving Elijah. He was pouring water, washing his hands and washing his feet. He was taking care of him and just serving him. So all of a sudden now he rises to the surface with this magnificent call. But for 18 years, he just followed Elijah and served him. And I thought, wow, how many of us get impatient serving God after one year? You know what I mean? Rough things happen. And listen, when Elisha was buying into this picture, can I just tell you, even though Elijah was an amazing prophet and saw, uh, I think, 14 different miracles take place, he went through a lot of hardship to be that. Even more than Elisha, who ended up doing twice the miracles, had just a different type of a ministry, didn't go through near the hardship, but Elisha was thinking, well, I'm serving this guy. I'm I'm serving this guy. He wants to put his mantle on me. And he was watching Elisha, because if you remember a few times, Elijah got to some waters that needed to be parted, and he just took his mantle, boom, and hit it, and it says the waters parted. I don't have time to go into this story, but if you read through these lessons here, you'll begin to see that he parted the waters with that. Can you imagine being the servant, Elisha, knowing that someday, not knowing when, but someday this was going to be his because it was already promised to him? I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. You can't make this stuff up. You know, this is crazy, but it's happening. And before his eyes. And so then we move to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9, and let's look at that, 2 Kings 2, verse 9. And so it was, when he had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said this here, listen to this, this is amazing. I think I would have been happy with what I'd seen already. I think I would have been, okay, just give me your miracles. Give me that same amount of miracles that you see. But look at his response. He says, please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I thought, wow, how many times when I was reading that, I thought, how many times do I request things that are way too small? You know, when I asked you and we talked about praying for the the stop of this virus, the cure of this virus, how many really believed that it it could really happen by your faith? You know what I'm saying? We just think a little bit small. You know, we'll just take care, you know, just take care of me, maybe, Lord. You know, and, and, and yet He's saying, No, I, I want, I want double that. I want double that. I recognize the power, and I recognize the source of power, and I know there's more to come. Come on, this is this is a totally amazing story to stir our faith up. And I think, let I mean, let me read this, uh, Levi. Lusco says this, he says, the problem with praying small prayers is that you might just get what you asked for instead of what God was wanting to give you. Oh, oh, man, that's true. That is true. Let's begin to think bigger. Let's begin to ask bigger. Let's begin to hear what God has to say about this matter, and let's go for it. Come on, can I get a little stronger amen? I'm preaching. I'm preaching more than your amen, and I'm telling you that right now. Listen, we have to enlarge ourselves, or we'll stay where we're at. We'll keep praying small prayers and we'll end up with the same thing uh, if we're not careful. And you know, it's just important for us to catch what's being done here and what's being said here. Let's have some faith that's stronger than any anybody else's that we've ever known. Let's just walk in it. Second Kings chapter two, listen to this story here. Second Kings chapter two, and we'll start with verse 10. Uh, it says this here. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken, uh, taken from you, it shall be f- so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So in other words, if you, uh, I'm, 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 I'm where you're at. And it was interesting because three times he asked Elisha, now I'm going to go over here. You stay here. But Elisha said, there's no way that I'm staying here. I'm going with you. And it was interesting. Three times he asked him that. and My brain was spinning. I'm thinking, wow, I think of the time when Peter, remember when Peter uh, messed up real bad and he came up to him and he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Remember three times, do you love me? Just challenge it. What was he doing? He's challenged the core of our being because he's trying to get inside of us and dig what's in there out, dig the gold out of each one of us. And this, is, I think, is exactly what Elijah's doing to Elisha. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Well, I just recently learned from John that really, I, how many thought that he went up in the chariot? Come on, remember the flannel graphs? Come on. That's what it was all about, you know. But it really doesn't say that. It says the chariot and the horse came between them, and he went up in a whirlwind. Now, that's not going to get you to heaven any quicker, and it's not going to get you more crowns when you get there. But I just wanted to throw it out to you. He went up with this whirlwind, uh, and, 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 and look at verse 12. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, "'My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen.'" Uh, So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes. He tore them into two pieces, which is always a sign of humility in the Bible. They would put on sackcloth or ashes, or they'd tear their clothes as a sign of humility and humbling. And he also, because he knew he just saw it, and he also took up the the mantle that had fallen from him and went back, And stood by the bank of Jordan. He's going to test this thing right now. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided in the same way that Elisha and Elisha crossed over it. So can you imagine? He got it. He, I like him. He wasn't just going to go by this word. (laughs) He was going to test this thing. So immediately he grabs it. whoosh, And the waters part. And he's off now and running in his ministry and in his life and the life of a believing believer, a believing believer, not an unbelieving believer, but a believing believer. I've known both. How about you? There's just some people that call themselves believers, but they just don't believe. And and, and we, we want to be believing believers. Let's look at maybe some application of these stories So we can maybe gain something this morning and walk away with something this morning of what the Holy Spirit would be speaking to each and every one of those. The title of this is In the Absence of Crisis. In the Absence of Crisis. Why? Because a crisis is an event, if you think about it, proves that we're all capable of change. We're all capable of change. Some of you are sitting here today, you may have already settled that you are who you are. That's who I am. I, I, I've tried. I, I've done everything I could. I, I just am what I am. And, and, and yet that's really not the truth. But it's a crisis sometimes that pulls things out of people. I remember seeing just recently on the news there was a flood happening. And I don't remember it was recent. I don't remember where it was at, but it was a flood happening. And this whole group of people went and lifted a car off of a person that was washed under it. I thought, wow, you wouldn't do that normally. You might not even think to do that, but the crisis caused them to go beyond their own strength. We see this in in various, we've heard stories. I'm sure you've heard stories about that. Maybe you yourself have also been involved in that where you've done something quickly that you might not have done ordinarily if it wasn't a crisis, but you're forced to push forward. and You do these amazing things. And this is kind of what it's about is what's going to get us to change Well, we don't want to have to wait for a crisis of that type to hit us, right? I don't. But how can we maybe create an internal crisis that will begin to change us and lead us forward into this change? For Elisha, it was those oxen. He created his own crisis. He right then did. I mean, can you imagine if you did that in front of your dad and all your workers? (laughs) You're kind of stuck now. You got to go. You might not be invited back. You know, destroying two John Deere tractors? Come on. You you just might not come back. But he created his crisis that led him forward to follow Elijah. And I think sometimes we need to see that maybe I need to create something inside of me that breaks me past this place that I've been stuck for so long. And who knows what that might be? Just an area of our life that we just kind of keep facing. And I tried to think, you know, how do we really make that happen and, and how do we understand this? And I, I just think we maybe all do. We all maybe know an area in our life that we've, you know, we've just not been able to get past. And yet if we can create, if you can catch this picture and you can maybe create the crisis inside of your life to where you make some drastic step, a, a major step forward, then you'll see that change. So often, as we kind of mentioned last week, is we make these New Year's resolutions and they only last for about two months and then you're off of them. And we do this over and over and now we've trained ourselves not to do it. What I want you to do is like the Chinese proverb said, every thousand miles starts with one step. And the next step, and this is what we're gonna see in the next step, and the next step, you begin to take take these steps toward that goal because you're looking five years down the road and you're able to do it, and we'll talk more about that later. Listen to this from Tony Robbins. It says, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And, and, And again, I want you to maybe even ask the Holy Spirit right now, what areas are you stuck in? And usually you know that because they're always on your mind. Or they pop up all the time. And it just kind of seems to get in your way all the time. Just when you want to make progress, something pops up in your mind and it starts talking you out of that change. How many know what I'm talking about? This just happens. We just get getting, entangled getting in our mind, and, and it's crazy where it might take us if we're not careful. All right. I think we can create an inner... Uh, inner internal crisis that we need to take us forward. You know, we <laughs> what change would you like to see in your life, your personal life? What change would you like to see in your marriage? Uh, what change in your family? What change would you like to see in your job? What change would you like to see with your God? You know, we even talked about last week, 15 minutes a day with God in five years, 15 minutes a day with God in five years totals out to be 450 hours that you would spend with God. Let me just tell you, if you don't get changed by that, (laughs) you probably need to come back, get saved, and then try that 15 minutes a day. (laughs) If you create an internal crisis, I believe you can make the change. So the first movement that we need is the, the, the drastic action. And we saw Elisha demonstrate that with the burning of the ox and the, and the tearing up of the, of the equipment. Remember Cortez in 1519 when he and his men got off of their boats? And, 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 and it's kind of the same idea. I don't agree with what he did. But what he did do when he got there is he pushed the boats out. And he remember, he lit them on fire. He says, we're not going back. That's the... That's, the, that's the, uh, the, the, the drastic action that he took in front of all of his men to say we're moving forward. And I think some of us may need to uh, maybe consider that. Maybe consider that. Uh, you remember the old song, some of you, some of you would never have heard it in your lifetime. It only takes a spark to get the fire going. None of you have heard of it. Okay, all right. Uh, all right. <laughs> What was her name? Amy, not Amy Grant, but somebody. Anyway, uh, let's move on from there quickly. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the idea, you're supposed to know your audience, you know what I mean? Has anybody heard that song? Come on, higher. I need some more support. I'm getting insecure up here. Okay, good. All right. Who sang it? Oh, come on, you guys. All right, let's move on. <laughs> so what is the drastic action and measure that you need to take? And that deals with the term inertia, inertia. Do you know what the, uh, the, the, the first law of motion is by Sir Isaac Newton? It says objects will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change its state by the action Of an extreme force. How many have ever seen guys that get up here on the platform and they'll pile up a bunch of bricks and then they'll break it with their head or their elbow or their hand? Have you seen that? They're working off of this very principle here, and that's why it can be done. And you could even do it. I mean, how many have ever seen them tear a phone book apart, tear a phone book in half? Do you know you can do that? I've done that. You can do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Don't mess with me. Uh, But it is true, but, but we have to realize that things just start in motion, and they either stay still, this will probably not move, unless something drastic happens. It'll stay there, and many of us become that way. That's kind of our default. We kind of just get to a place, we stop, and we stay there, and without some kind of a drastic action, you will be there for the next 20 years or 30 years, or 40 years, or 50 years. You'll be there a while. And, 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 but, but with the bricks, the, the, uh, you, you can just take and just drive that down and, and break it, but it doesn't hurt the person that it's on top of. Remember, they usually put themselves under better nails and all that. That's how they do that because, the, because of that action, that drastic action, it causes that brick to explode out and not push down, but it gets things going. And this is what we're talking about here is how do we uh, create that? So the first step is to take the drastic action that we need to take in order to see a change. You know, maybe it's uh, the places that we continue to go. Maybe it's the phone numbers we still have in our cell phones that we shouldn't have. Maybe it's a different, who, who knows, it could be any number of things that we keep going back to where we need to say, no, I don't want to just tuck that away in the side I, I need to destroy that completely. Why? So then I could then move forward. And the next step that we see with Elisha is this, is he has a steady progression. Remember, for 18 years he followed Elijah around. So every day he was just there to serve. He was just there to serve. It was simple, he could do it. He wasn't in charge of anything. He had to make no major decisions. All he had to do was just take one step, after the next, after the next after the next. And, 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 and he took that major action, and then he started following. And, and I wonder today sometimes if there's some things that we could put together in our life that are very doable, and we'll talk about this uh, next week. What are the things that we can do that will never fail? How can I never fail? And it's not like a resolution that I do every year and fail, but I have to continue forward. It's interesting that we, if you look at compound interest, it's kind of a similar idea how that just grows and accelerates and, and blows people away. is how much you can actually get just by that, just a little bit of teaching that principle compound interest. It's a little bit every day. It's not a lot. Just keep going every day. What about losing weight? You know, all this instant stuff doesn't work. How many realize that's why they can come out with a new one every week? Or they have to. (laughs) Has to be something new and different because the last ones didn't work. But there's hope that might some way I could take a pill and it's going to change everything. Can I just tell you, that's just not how I don't even think that God designed it that way. When he put us in the garden, he wanted us to work he wanted us to do things consistently. He wanted to, he wanted to help us through. Uh, I think about Christianity. You know, what, what does it take to keep this steady progression going? I got to keep sowing. I got to keep watering. I got to keep dreaming. I got to keep planting. I got—I should be a part of a small group so I can grow with that. I got to make good life decisions, which is helpful with people. I—I I, I should probably continue to read my Bible. Come on, I should probably continue to pray. I—I I I should continue to save. I should continue to do make right choices, and day in and day out, just make the determination that if I will make the right small choices every single day, that I will end up where I want to be in five years I have the vision set I have the vision set and now I have the time to get there and, 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 and John Maxwell says this improvement doesn't happen in a day but it must be daily come on that's really good you just find these things that you just do every day Every day, every day. And let's just look at the last one here quickly, and we'll finish up this morning, and that's the last point or application of this is then begin to enjoy the momentum of it. The daily thing, the drastic action to the daily thing will help you end up with the enjoyment uh, momentum, and we all know what momentum is and how that it could impact a person. Uh, and let me read this. But if you take the things of what you're trying to do and you multiply it out a hundred and a thousand and thousands of times over and over again, you get to the place where everything spread out. And it look look what can happen in your life. Look what can happen if we do it every single day. Compound interest, dominoes tipping over, little step, taking those steps every day in our life. And it's time for us as believers believers. believers, in particular, if I can just stress this, in the Bible, in the presence of God, in the the basics of Christianity, uh, you know, I I think about with with this, I think about the reality of what about water baptism? Isn't that kind of a drastic measure? Right? He just says, hey, I want you to do this. And whoosh, ah, you know, and it's drastic because you do it in front of people. Oh, whoa, now I'm, you know, uh, it's this drastic thing. And our whole walk with him begins that way. He gives us the free gift of salvation, but then he says, okay, now I want you to be baptized. Now I want you to take this step. Now I want, what's he doing? He's trying to build something in us that's going to be eternal and powerful, and we, like uh, uh, Elijah, Elisha will have that mantle to go with. And this is what he's looking for his church. He wants his church to be a powerful church. Come on, he wants his church to be a powerful church. He wants you and I to be powerful. And it's not for show. It's not that I can say I did something, but it's because that's how the gospel is going to move forward. That's how people that are far from God begin to want to be close to him when they begin to see that, wow, there's something to this. They're not just a happy crowd and a happy building, a nice place, but there's something to this that, that, that they're not denying. And what's that? They're not denying the power of God. And and, and, and and how do we get there? Well, I think we're seeing this with Elisha that he, he, he made this drastic step and maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you today about that drastic action for yourself. And then he began to say, you know, I'm going to get myself on a steady progression and I'm not going to change that. And then we're going to begin to see the momentum begin to take place. I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, I really think it's already started. I think there's an amazing revival that has already started. And guess what? I don't want to be sitting at home in my jacuzzi while it goes past me. Come on. How many know it's easy to get there? Easy to get there. It's easy to be there. And a steady progression. So in the absence of crisis, we probably won't have a change. And what I was thinking today was, you know, Lord, how do we really do that? I mean, nobody wants to have a crisis take place in order to be broken from the place that they're at. I don't think anybody does. I don't want that to be on any of you. But I believe if you can hear the Holy Spirit, He might say to you, Hey, I want you to fast once a week. And maybe He'll start nicely. (laughs) How about one meal once a week? So that you can know that you won't die from fasting. But maybe it's like, you know, I am going to set my time aside with the Lord. And I am not going to let one thing get inside of that. I'll miss my breakfast instead of missing his time. Come on. I'm going to miss work. And you shouldn't do that, according to the scripture. But I'm going to miss work as opposed to missing him. Come on. This is, this is, that, this is the breakthrough that he's calling us to. He's calling us to rise up to a higher level with him so that we can follow him like the disciples did when they finally got it together. (laughs) It took them a while, so be of good cheer. But just bow your heads, if you would, for just a moment. I want to just let us saturate for just a moment. And, And maybe the Lord has already been speaking to you about something He has asked you to either do or in some cases not do. Maybe He's already been doing that and You're not hearing it so much anymore because you kept rejecting it. You just kept pushing it aside. I want him to bring that back to you. I want him to bring that back to me. What is it, Lord? What is that action, that drastic action I need to take? And maybe for some, it's just, what are the daily steps that I must commit to if I really wanna be somewhere different in five years? And what are those steps? So that I could then begin to enjoy the momentum of it. Christianity, I find, is like uh, seasons winter, fall, spring, summer. just seasons that happen. But yet he wants us to be in good seasons, as well as some challenging ones. So let's just let me pray for you. listen to the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now each one of us and each one that, uh, Lord, is at home watching this online, that, Lord, today, (laughs) the drastic action that you're asking maybe each of us to take, that we would take a hold of that and do what needs to be done. And Lord, for the daily steps maybe we've served for many, many years and we're, become frustrated by it and kind of th- wondering what it was all about. And I just want to say the Lord sees everything and it's all as unto the Lord that we do. And He never misses anything. And you're serving Him, not man. And that every one of us, maybe if we were weary and well-doing, today would be the day that it gets shaken off. i <laughs> just break off of us. We take the, the very mantle that can part in the waters and let it part over us. And then, Father, for just that glorious momentum that you want the whole earth to see your glory in, that we would be able to step into that and live there uh, continually in your presence. It was your presence that led them in the Old Testament, and it's your presence that leads us from the inside in the New Testament days. And I thank you for that. I pray for each and every one of us, God, that, oh, this would be an amazing time and season for us and that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see what the Holy Spirit's doing, and we would not miss a thing, and we would certainly, hopefully, not miss you in this process. God, we love you, and we honor you today, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word of God that leads us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand to your feet? For-